Hi there, and welcome to a new episode of the Learning Podcast. Today I'm curious about professional paths that for whatever reason make twists and turns. Most of us agree that finding a job that we thrive in can be challenging. When young, we may know what we want to do and how we want to earn a living. We seek out and take the necessary education and training, get our first job, followed by the next and the next, perhaps while sprinkling in some professional development to level up in responsibility, salary and personal fulfillment. Some shape their professional life through incremental steps and smaller adjustments, perhaps by moving to a new role within the same organization, joining a competitor or learning a new skill or knowledge area that helps to move up laterally within the sector or profession they're in. But some make more radical changes and boldly leave their careers of many years, embark on something entirely new and build a new career from scratch. The result is a career with interesting turning points, a zigzag career. My guess is that zigzag careers are more common now than before. With all the adult learning opportunities that are out there, it is easier and probably also tempting to try something new midlife. I'm interested in learning more about zigzag careers, why they happen, what it takes, and how a zigzag career can shape a professional identity. What are the pros and cons? What is gained and what may be lost? To learn from someone who's lived a zigzag career, I've invited Karen Moffat, entrepreneur and certified fitness instructor. Karen has expertise in kettlebell strength training, functional movement, yoga and postural alignment therapy. She currently runs two wellness businesses, Kettlebell Wellness, where clients learn and are coached in how to train with kettlebell weights and Align with Karen, where Karen uses postural alignment therapy to help people with aches and pains live and move more freely. But Karen also has a past as a professional freelance viola player and holds a Bachelor of Music and a Master of Music from Canadian universities, as well as an honours degree from the University of Wellington, New Zealand. She has played with a range of high-profile orchestras in Canada, for instance, the Canadian Opera Company, the National Ballet of Canada, the Baroque Orchestra Tafelmusik, the Chamber Orchestra Les Violons du Roy, and the Symphony Orchestras in Winnipeg, Quebec, Victoria and Kitchener-Waterloo. Karen started her career transition around 11 years ago and officially retired from playing the viola professionally seven years ago. Karen has been both mindful, bold and true to herself when shaping her careers. I'm very happy she's here with me to tell her personal story and share her reflections. Hi Karen, welcome to the Learning Podcast. Hi, good to be here. So you left a career as a professional musician to become a fitness instructor and entrepreneur. How was life before you took the leap? Mm, Good question. Um, It 
was I'm choosing my words. It was familiar. Um, It was familiar to be a musician and comfortable in certain ways because um, of the community of everyone I knew and met through playing in orchestras and through music school. And um, yeah, many aspects just felt easy. Um, And then of course, being in the music profession is not easy um, when you're a freelancer. So there was that aspect that was um, somewhat exhausting where you're always hustling for gigs, um, always proving yourself, reproving yourself. So that aspect was more challenging and might have become more challenging um, had I continued for my entire career. Did uh, fitness play any role in your life uh, at that point or when you were younger? Yes. So it was always um, a conflict. Ever since I was little, I was playing violin and I was doing sports and I was always choosing between the two. So for instance, there'd be a music festival or a music competition and there'd be a, you know, a volleyball championship provincials and I would have to choose between the two. Um, And that continued on throughout my Once I decided to go into music school, I was teaching aerobics and step classes in my undergrad and my violin teacher didn't like that I was lifting weights. And so there was that. And then when I went on to my, do my master's degree, I remember distinctly having to choose. And so many of my teachers saying, you can't do both. You have to put all of your time, dedicate your life to being a musician. So I really struggled once I decided that I wasn't allowed to teach aerobics. I wasn't allowed to do all my fun fitness things. And and so it became something that, yeah, I had to, to truly choose. I actually even remember my <laughs> viola. I bought a viola from someone here in Toronto. And I remember him saying the same thing. Um just that you, it's about doing less to become better at the one thing. At what age did you uh, make the decision to focus on music? Music, I wanted, since I was two years old, I saw my grandpa playing um, a violin and I asked for it over and over. Um, My mom waited until I turned six years old and finally let me. Uh, The Suzuki method is known for starting um, violinists and violists and cellists early. So it wasn't abnormal to start at the age of six, um, but it was always there. And and when you made the decision to kind of focus on the music and and, uh, put fitness second? Oh, so never, almost never. It was in my master's degree when I was at the University of Victoria um, with teachers. Even I was playing racket sports and things and they didn't like that I was playing racket sports because it affected my violin playing. I was often told that I was more of a a heavy player. So to kind of um, like heavy on the bow. So actually switching to viola solved that a little bit because I I had more sound, but um, 
all to say that I did have to choose sort of at that point in my master's degree. And then once I started to work professionally as a, a violist, um, less and less could I attend to my fitness things and, and join even classes and do those things. And I was always discouraged for doing those things. I was told to go swimming because it was more balanced if I wanted to do fitness. I remember actually being in at the BAMP Center for the Arts. I was on a residency with my string quartet and um, I was told like, use the swimming pool. Don't play racket sports. Don't you know, go to fitness classes, get massages. And so it was sort of competing um, from, from well-intended music instructors and, you know, go with my violin teachers. Um, but it wasn't, it was frowned upon a little bit to do weight training. Is that still the case today among in the music world? No, not so much. So definitely there's a broader understanding that fitness can help um, musicians, you know, mitigate maybe injuries and prevent injuries, or at least um, find a way to strengthen their body instead of falling into these repetitive stress patterns. So there's a lot of Alexander Technique and Feldenkrais. And when I went to UVic, University of Victoria, it, um, there was more of that, but I was also seeing it because I was interested in it. Um, so I think it, it's changing and there certainly have been over the years, particularly cello profs. I've, my cello friends often have told me about the pushups they had to do in their lessons to get stronger. So it's, it's been there. And I do remember it, you know, music festivals, Domaine Forger is one for example, where, you know, they were talking about using weights to help with the string playing. So tell me a little bit about the, the decision to change your career, um, sort of midlife. Yeah, you know, I often say that um, it was a secret passion that I had, this fitness thing and my love of movement and the human body and its potential. And so literally in my undergrad at University of Manitoba, like my friends, colleagues all knew that I loved fitness and they saw that in me and I felt it, but I felt like I was hiding it. Um, so I felt a little bit like a closeted fitness person. And um I I so I went on I finished my undergrad degree I went to New Zealand and I did another degree there and played um, professionally in New Zealand and then master's degree came back to Toronto kept working um, and then I was freelancing and so I was auditioning for orchestras lots of lots of auditions I got very very serious with some colleagues who were also auditioning for big jobs and um, sort of took that as far as I could take it sat down with my partner husband Eric who's also a musician also a viola player who saw and and understood what I was doing. And he saw, you know, the level I was at and believed in me, thought I was, you know, a good player and um, talented and all of that stuff. But um, we sort of sat down one day and said, 
if I if I win a job, which job will satisfy me? A job in an orchestra. What's an orchestra that I would love to play for? And how long will it take for me to win that job? And so oftentimes musicians, it's tricky because one per person in the relationship will win a job in you know, a big New York or something, and then the other person somewhere else. And it's often a, a difficult, difficult decision what you do with your life. And so um, anyways, it kind of came down to a deep, deep conversation with Eric and him sort of seeing me for who I am and all of my other interests and talents and passions. And so we kind of decided together that I would do a final audition for the Canadian Opera Company. It was for a principal position, which was unlikely that I would win it. Um, but I did the audition. And following the audition, we decided to build a studio in our backyard. In our, We had a house, um, an empty lot. And so that's when the studio was born. And I literally made a pretty bold decision at that moment to start um, investing in in a personal training career fitness without yeah without it being kind of one moment in time we did build the studio and I did start my career at that moment and start to say no to gigs <laughs> freelance well, how how did you transition in in practice? What what uh, uh, you know? Did you do additional training, or how was that like? Yeah. So one of the very distinct things was you know concerts and music gigs were often on the weekend, and um, I had to start to say no to work to you know playing good paying and playing work in order to get my certifications for personal training, my yoga instruction. And I remember it being very hard. I said yes to the gigs I really liked and sort of felt were prestigious and well-paying. So I would play with the Canadian Opera Company. I remember after building the studio, I had taken a gig with a uh, uh, orchestra called Les Violons de Roi, which is in Quebec City, a small but amazing chamber orchestra. And I remember getting to do a recording with a famous pianist, um, Pierre um, Amoyal, I think we're saying the name wrong, but um, with a with a famous pianist and really wanting to take that gig because of it being a very big deal for me as a viola player to get to do that. Um, so it was difficult because I needed to start spending more time in workshops and learning, you know, more about movement and fitness and modalities. Um, but I wanted to take gigs. So it was, it was a slow process of taking only the ones I really wanted to take and then saying no to some of the ones that I didn't really like doing anyways, or that weren't well paid. So it sounds as if you allowed yourself a transition period, uh, even though you had taken a decision to leave music. Is that correct? That's correct. It was, I would say, more of opening space for something new and slowly closing the door on music. 
So I would say to mark a year, I did my yoga teacher training in 2013 and my personal training certificate in 2012. The last formal professional gig I took was in 2016. So there was, that's what, four years, four year process of still doing both. Um, so it became less and less viola gigs and more and more clients and teaching classes and doing trainings. So it was kind of like both for about four years at least as I, yeah, so I whittled away and, and like I say, opened up space for, for the, for the new career to enter. Was that a, a good strategy for you? For me, it was because I wasn't ready to let go. And I wanted still to prove to myself or I still had some love or interest in music. And I remember distinctly, though, I mean, it gave me a chance to feel how I felt doing both things. And I remember once we had built the studio, I would have a session with a client. And a lot of my clients were musicians, so it kind of helped too. I was still in the world. I could kind of get a feel for it. Um, and interestingly, they were kind of asking for, you know, they wanted to work with me anyway. Um, but then I would go and play a gig. And so Eric, would, my husband, would say to me, um, you know, he noticed a distinct difference of how my energy was after being with a client and after being at a gig. And it was night and day. I was happy and energized after seeing a client and after playing a gig, I was tired and, you know, unhappy. So it gave me a chance. So in terms of your question, the strategy, I think it did for me, give me that chance really to compare and really to say, to, to be sure that music wasn't what I wanted. Mm. Yeah. Was that, was it hard to yes. let go? Yes. Hours and hours and hours and hours of training practice, getting almost, you know, I was runner up in so many auditions, almost winning jobs um, and feeling like I was just about there to the place where a lot of musicians want to finally get to um, a secure, steady, stable orchestral job. Although orchestral playing was never my passion. I have more of a passion for playing in string quartets, but you know, the money and the, the positions are in orchestra playing. Um, but your question, you know, was it hard to give up or leave? Absolutely. Um, because it feels like I'm giving up a whole life's body of work, um, and literally doing something completely different that has nothing to do with music. I thought at first, so I, it took me many years to understand that what I did previously in my previous career does inform and influence what I'm doing now. But at the time, it felt like I was just letting, throwing that all, I don't know, for a, for a bold words, throwing it all in the garbage. <laughs> that sounds interesting. How, how can you give me an example of when you, uh, uh, where you, you have used your, your knowledge or, you know, 
something from your music career uh, in your in your current job? Oh, to this very day, I mean, especially working with musicians one on one, there is an understanding I have about what they do that is infinitely more um, important to them than even what we are doing together because they know I know they don't have to explain what it is like to play in a pit or to play on stage and to play a violin I completely understand Mm -hmm. um and I think that's always appreciated um and then also the way I approached learning music learning practicing the instrument getting better at something there's so many of that like mindset and the preparation towards an audition, that whole thing. That's another example of very practical um, skills that I learned. I still, you know, bring that in now to how I approach movement, learning a new movement, teaching a new movement. Um, and so also the the teaching aspect, um, because of course I taught lots of violin students over the years as well. Mm-hmm. How did people around you react? What did they say when you uh, moved on to your next career? Mm. You know, that's a good question. I don't know if I had any direct feedback other than it's great. Like, I think I only had positive feedback. I remember one friend, a cello player, very, very great cello player friend who's uh, lived in Toronto now she's in Victoria Um, I remember her just saying you can't quit you're so good you can't quit and it'll make me tear up because it's you know of course I was very good at this thing and I was able you know to express myself in certain ways through playing the instrument so um, people who heard me play and who were supporting me as a viola player and saw what I could do and I think that was hard to sometimes you know it made it more (laughs) difficult to um, still make that decision and know that it was the right one for me because I think also my colleagues probably saw themselves in me as well, where they have other interests and other passions, but have put so much time and energy into their craft that it's so hard to give up um, and let go. And literally like you're kind of at a t- the, you know, in the 95th percentile of something. And if you don't keep going, you drop and you're not ever going to be back up there again. Mm-hmm. Um without working, working your way back up um, in a certain ways. I mean, more or less, it's maybe not quite like that, but to a degree, it's like that. I can see how in the arts, that's, uh, uh, you know, you are, if you reach the top or you're clo- very close to the top, you are so invested in, in your uh, career. I liken it to maybe um, Olympic athletes or athletes of all kinds Mm -hmm. who are dedicated to this one craft and you really have to devote your life to it. Um, It's everything. And then when that, you know, we see it with athletes a little bit more clearly um, that 
yeah, they have to then move on to something else and they're never going to be as good as they were at that time of their lives. So you're now, uh, what is it, like six, seven years into your career as a fitness instructor, entrepreneur, or? Yeah, even even longer. I was when I when I look back, it's really been ten years because it's twenty twenty three now, and I I I actually taught um, aerobics and step before that, but officially two thousand twelve would have been when I started to make the decision. So ten years, ten eleven years, I've been doing it. Maybe maybe you're right, seven years clean of of only doing the one. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I I was just curious, uh, what are the differences between these two careers, would you say, or crafts? Um, Hmm. And and what are the similarities? Start with the similarities. Um, Similarities are the lifestyle. I, you know, this morning I went and taught a, a, I actually haven't done this in a long time, but I went and taught a fitness class this morning and uh, it's a Sunday morning and it's, you know, you're working on the weekends and you're um, kind of, your day isn't structured a nine to five. You do one thing and then you have a break and then you go and you prepare a lot and then you have a break. So, you know, when you have a gig, you're practicing your parts and, and then you have a three hour service and then you're done or you have another, you know, maybe you have a two service day or a three service day. Um, so that lifestyle aspect is very familiar to me. I've never been in a nine to five job where I go and I I dream about it. I sometimes fantasize that I'd like to just go to somewhere where I'm there from nine till five and then come home and turn off. And I know it's maybe not like that for the majority of people, but I have this fantasy about being in a, a cubicle and it being very simple, Um, so the lifestyle is very, there's a lot of similarities and a lot of, oh, maybe I'll take this. Maybe I won't take this. Um, maybe I'll, I'll explore like in violin playing and viola playing. I would also do Baroque playing. And so different stylistic, um, things, uh, that I would choose and, or gigs that I would choose if I would do a pop thing, or I would do some kind of big show with like Barbara Streisand or something like that. Some exciting moments where, um, you know, it's, it's a one-time thing and same kind of in fitness where, you know, maybe I'll get asked to do something, or maybe I'll do a workshop somewhere and, and those things are similar, but in terms of differences, um, differences are a little bit more subtle. Obviously, the craft is completely different. The community, it's it's different. So I've had to sort of find my place in the fitness world because I'm not a standard fitness person as maybe no one really feels like they are. But it's a bit lonelier. It has been a bit lonelier for me because I'm not going to a big opera you are with people you're meeting the singers sometimes but you're playing with big like numbers of people and there's a built-in community and in so far it's taken me a little bit longer to build my community especially here in Toronto in the fitness community where I see people without scheduling it it doesn't really happen it's usually scheduled um 
And so that I find a little bit lonelier. Um, it's just starting to change, but it's taken some time. I think I've gravitated towards the yoga community for that reason, because then I have a reason, an excuse to see people less scheduled and more spontaneously. Um, so that's maybe one difference. I'm no other big differences are coming to mind unless you can remind me what I had written down. <laughs> no, I think that's, all, that's all good. Um, so, so, you know, looking at your zigzag career, if I can call it that, uh, what are some things you feel you have gained from, from doing this, uh, career change uh, as I mean, opposed it, to a more linear traditional conventional conventional path yeah so the conventional path being one career yes over a long time yeah yeah and interestingly my husband Eric and I were saying wow we've been together almost 20 years like that's one of the things I've done for the longest period of time and there's obviously benefits to sticking with something for a very, very long time. Um, but I will say that a lot of my colleagues, you know, I don't think it gets easier, especially when you're a freelance classical musician. Um, so there's that. But what have I gained um, at this moment in my life and in my fitness career? It's really starting to come together. This um, movement, uh, class that I taught this morning and the movement center that I'm a part of, they see me and they see, um, my former career. So I go to a place called spirit loft. And one of the founders was a football player, like in a Canadian football league. And so had similar to me, a very intense career doing something very, um, straightforward, I'll say <laughs> in some ways. And so what I find that I've gained is just this depth of knowledge and experience um, that I do bring to my career now. And it's very unique and special. Uh, it helps me see things through a different lens, helps me approach individuals with compassion, because um, I, I have this understanding of what intense careers can be like. And so it helps me work with individuals, I'd say on a more compassionate, empathetic and holistic level. I'm not um, a naive young fitness person who just thinks we can do a bunch of, I don't know, burpees and, <laughs> and think that we're going to be functioning better. I definitely, I think maybe that's partly age, but it's also the experience um, that I have, that I have a different lens with which to see another human being with. So even though, you know, you, you are now in a career that you really like and a job you really like, um, do you still feel that you have lost something by not going straight into this career that you're now in. Absolutely. I feel, you know, in the way that we build on, on all of the experiences and events and, and um, for example, 
I mean, even my husband's father sort of wished he had sort of stuck on the same career path. So he would have, you know, maybe landed a bigger, more prestigious job. I really have had to start a little bit more from scratch and build up my reputation, maybe not my re reputation as a human and around musicians. I'm very respected amongst my musician community, but to kind of earn that respect and earn, um, yeah, just through experience and through, um, you know, a lot of my colleagues, they've been teaching yoga or they've been teaching for their 20 years and that gives them a certain credibility. So, I mean, I wouldn't say I've lost credibility, but I've, I've had to really work to build up my reputation in the fitness community. It's not a given in music. It's a given because people have played beside me and heard me and I have all of that. So, so it has been challenging in that respect. And I, there is a loss there. I will not lie and say that there wasn't a loss. There's definitely a loss, a loss of, of being part of something bigger. Um, I had a client the other day who, you know, who's a, who plays in the Toronto symphony and she was saying like, it's a rush to play in a big work. And yes, it is. Like I miss that rush of playing a big work with a big orchestra and being part of something bigger than myself. Um, so that that is a loss for sure. Um, but in in that, I've gained uh, other things. Thank you so much, Karen, for for coming on the show and and telling telling us about your career. Pleasure. Thank you for having this podcast. We have come to the final leg of this podcast where Karen and I are going to co-create a question or problem that we find interesting and have no answer to. It'll be three minutes uh, of back and forth and I will kick off with a question to you, Karen. Um, around the meaning we put into the word, word professional career, what does it mean? What does career mean to you? play it means play play <laughs> like like a child childish way or yes yeah in a childlike way yeah I would say I think career shouldn't be so serious and certainly the two careers I've chosen while there is they are heavy and serious there is a lot of lightness and playfulness in those two careers that's interesting because it's not at all the the uh, I don't think the the many or I think many would agree with you but it's not like a part of the meaning of the word career and play don't typically go together no. but I think when you're when you're looking for something passionate and you described in your intro, intro something about this um you know choosing something I think if you are going to do a zigzag and come to a new career it needs to be there needs to be a sense of play otherwise why the heck are you going to do it because it's not easy <laughs> and it's financially not easy it's so many other things um, so so uh, play in the sense of also exploring more yes I see 
play as an exploration, absolutely. Okay. So is the question how we can change the word, the dic- the meaning in the dictionary? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Wow. Change the meaning of the word career. I think career has a seriousness to it. And perhaps it doesn't need to, because most of us seem to spend a lot of time doing our careers. So if we're not having any fun, then, and, and we're not making any money, why bother, you know, doing, doing it in the first place? I totally agree with you. So um, how could we change the, the meaning of the word or, or kind of open, open it up? Yeah, career, um, curious comes to mind. I love alliterations. Um, curious, creative, you know, career just being small part of this of this definition. Right. Uh, That's interesting. I had uh, in another podcast, um, my guest and I, we we uh, started talking more seriously about uh, curiosity. I can't remember exactly how the question uh, turned out, but uh, it's linked. Mm, mm. Curiosity, inquiry, self-discovery, because I think that's what we're longing for. And, you know, I mentioned like I'm, I have a fantasy of wanting to know what it's like to be in a cubicle or an office space. Um I also think that that like what what are people doing in that office space? What what's actually happening there? I'm curious about what's happening there, and I wonder if it's productive in the way we want it to be. Okay, so we have to uh, organize uh, like a uh, a day where you can come with someone to to live the cubicle life for a day. I <laughs> do. do. I that. do. Bring your kid. It's like bring your kid to work day. I'd like yeah. to be a kid coming to their parents' work. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Yes, um, I like that. Uh, let's. Yeah, how to. Um, yeah, broaden the meaning of career. Broaden to, the meaning to everyone's of benefit. Hmm. I love it. Let's do that. That's okay. a good, good place to stop. Mm. Uh, thank you again for coming on the show, Karen. Uh, such a pleasure to chat with you and and discover with you. That's it for this episode of the Learning Podcast. My guest today was Karen Moffat and we talked about zigzag careers. Careers are often seen as something very technical and rational, almost as if disconnected from the person whose career it is. But after talking to Karen, I realized that a career can also be exploratory playful, emotional and full of self-discovery. I also learned that there are people who fantasize about what working 9 to 5 in a cubicle would be like. My name is Anna Daring and I'm hosting and producing The Learning Podcast. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll tune in again. Bye for now.